Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 35 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. So for this episode, this was actually technically led by uh, Austin Romanski over at Kremico. It was an interview of me for their newsletter. Kremico made an interesting move recently announcing that they are going completely off of social media in an attempt to directly connect with their customers. It's a pretty cool move, pretty innovative. I'm excited to see how that turns out. And so this is the first video interview that they did for their newsletter. And Kremico is this service that we are a partner with where they have a number of high-end specialty coffee roasters on their website and it's almost like the Netflix of coffee where you can uh, just set your playlist and coffee automatically shows up from roasters all around the country. Uh, And so I will let this one go, Uh, but this one went all over the place from like personal interview, like background on Folly and just some random stuff too. So enjoy. Okay, cool. Well, this is Austin and Lance with Crema.co sitting with Rob from Folly Coffee. Mm-hmm. How you doing, Rob? I'm good. How are you? Not bad, man. Not bad. I was just curious. How do you pronounce your last name? It's Bathe. Uh, it, it is Bathe. Everybody says Beth, but it is it has an E at the end, so it's just like the word Bathe. Sweet. Well, I was looking at it, and I'm like, I bet it's pronounced Bath, but I wish it was pronounced Bathe because that'd be so <laughs> much cooler. So <laughs> lucked out on that one. Cool. Um, well, we've partnered with Folly for a little while now. We, we love you guys and just wanted to get to know you, a little bit of the story behind Folly. And uh, yeah, first question I had was, uh, where are you from? Uh, I was born and raised in Plymouth, Minnesota, which is just west of Minneapolis. Okay, very cool. And where's um, Folly based now? So we are now based in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is a pretty recent development. Uh, We started in Silver Lake, Minnesota, which is like an hour west of the cities. Uh, And then we recently moved to St. Louis Park, which is about 15 minutes west of the cities. And we've got some like really cool moves planned that I can't quite talk about yet. But you can imagine how being closer to the cities, how some of those moves might come along in in terms of customer interaction. But I, I will preface it and say it's not a cafe. Uh, it's not something we, I'm, I've never ran a cafe or interested in roasting coffee, but it's going to be a way that we can interact directly with our customers. That is like, we're probably a couple weeks away from starting to be able to aggressively hint slash tell people what it actually is. Wow. Cool. Yeah. That's exciting, man. Cool. Uh, we look forward to hearing about that. Um, how does that move, did that move go? Is that, is this still underway? It sounds like, but it was good. Uh, so Ken is our head was our head roaster out at Silver Lake, and he is the one who I met when we started Folly Coffee out in Silver Lake. And then now Jeff, who is now our head roaster, he's a nationally ranked coffee taster. He's placed top fifteen last year in cup tasters on the coffee champ circuit. He was top two in regionals this year before the nationals got cut down. Uh, the transition basically happened when it was Jeff started to roast last year and so the idea was once he gets proficient enough in roasting that it would be kind of a natural handoff of the baton that would allow us to be able to move into the facility we're in now because it's kind of a shared space and so it's a roaster that uh, other roasting companies are utilizing as well which allows us to keep our overhead low as we're small and we're growing uh, that we can still 
roast closer to the cities without having to make that like really, really financial huge risk of buying a roaster, buying a space, which looking at the uh, financial landscape of things now, it seems like uh, a good move. <laughs> not that we're looking back, not that anybody yeah. saw this coming. Yeah. But this, to put it in perspective, uh, the final move was the second week of April. And then it was about a month after that. March 16th was the date in Minnesota when uh, all the COVID closures were announced. Huh. Crazy. Man. Um, I'm curious. Can you tell us a little bit about I, – I don't know if all our users know about it, but I loved your um, your running challenge a while back. How did What was that about and uh, how did that go? <laughs> I don't know if it's a good memory or a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> Well, so the COVID, the COVID closures hit and in our first, so we launched in January of 2018. Our first year was primarily grocery stores. And so we were direct delivering to grocery stores. Our second year, we picked up some really awesome cafes, restaurants. And so at that point, we really had no focus online. Uh, and so when COVID hit, that was immediately the focus was like March 16th. That day I went home, built a website in a couple of days, relaunched, but then we were looking and, and there was a good launch. And so a few weeks after that, as things, it became evident that things were going to remain closed. We're looking at it going, we're fortunate that we have low overhead. We're going to stay in business. Things definitely still suck, but like in the grand scheme of things, we're pretty good shape as a mm. business, but we're looking at the community going like, things are really rough for a lot of people out of work. How can we leverage the business that we have to give back to the community as a lot of small businesses already were, but then the ad layer was, I wanted to do something like stupid and fun because the general mood during this entire time has been like, everything is sad. And this is even before the recent cultural landscape, especially of Minneapolis. But when we were just talking COVID, everybody was bummed. Everybody's quarantined, getting stir crazy. And there's like not anything fun going on. And mm -hmm. so the idea was, how do I create something fun? And almost like if you're familiar with the term schadenfreude is uh, the German term for it. There's no English word for it. It's a German term that means taking pleasure in someone else's pain. And <laughs> Humans love this, but they'll never admit it. And so the idea was... Only the Germans would make a word for that. <laughs> exactly. And so the idea was uh, to support this organization locally called Open Arms. They're an organization that makes meals. One of my best buddy works for them. Uh, they make meals for people who have severe illnesses that they can't make meals or they can't shop for themselves. And so the idea was we would donate back a dollar of every bag sold during that time, uh, a week long period to open arms. But in addition to really incentivize people for every bag purchase, I would run a kilometer. Uh, and so initially it was a mile. I don't run. And so yeah. I went to, I, I went to Jeff and was like, Hey, I'm going to, in the next week after this thing, I'm going to run however many bags we sold. And he's like, you, you can't do miles, man. Like <laughs> if, if we sold 40 bags, he's like, that's more than I was training for the marathon that he, he's, yeah. he's a runner. And let's uh, change so it to feet. You run one <laughs> foot per bag. Yeah. 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 And so we changed it to kilometer. Uh, but then it, it just took off. I, I wrote like a, I looked for a form, literally just like a blank PR form online I filled it out with local business owner to run one kilometer for every bag sold. And our local TV station, WCCO, uh, picked it up. And Jason Duresha is, just, he's an awesome, like 
he, he's one of the anchors there, but he's also huge in the food scene. He's got a really strong Instagram following. And so he's got a lot of, a lot of eyes on him and he promoted the heck out of it. And by the end of it, we sold like 200 napegs of coffee in a week, which ended up being the equivalent of like five marathons in seven days. And like, <laughs> like I, 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 I stay active, but I'm not a runner. And yeah. so it was, it, it ended up being like over 18 miles a day. And so my day, yeah. So the first day I went out and hit like a hard, like 24 miles all at once. And that was like, I can't physically do that again. And so the rest of the week was like, basically like go out, run, hobble four miles, like do something for two hours and run four miles and just like do that over and over and over. Uh, But finished, finished it on the last day at a total of 130 miles. (laughs) Phil, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> cool, man. Good job. Well, speaking of what was that combination you said? Fun and stupid. Um, yeah. I think that's a good combination just to live by in general. But um, we have a couple of questions that fall into that category just to get to know you a little bit. Um, the first one is, would you rather live without the internet or live without air conditioning and or heating? I think at this point, the internet has become too tied into absolutely everything that it has almost become more essential than AC and heating. Now, that being said, I'm in Minnesota where it's either really hot or really cold, but the internet at this point, like I couldn't even be in business. Like I, I think websites are really cool. I go to them every day. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I don't know if you guys, have you guys used websites before? I've heard no. about, I read about them in a dictionary once. I, 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 heard, I heard that you can get a virus from. Oh, from yeah, that's, so I, that is, I, I don't that mess around with that. They're yeah. really cool. If you go to the right ones, it's really cool to use websites. So I, as much as it pains me as a, a, a guy that runs real hot, uh, <laughs> have to be internet. Got it. So in the winter, you'd be, you'd be fine. Well, you'd in the winter, die. You would die. I, I, no, I, I sleep with the window open in the winter. Just lay off awesome. a few more blankets. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Okay, cool. Um, would you rather only be able to use a fork for the rest of your life or only be able to use a spoon? Interesting. I'm going to say fork because in most things where you could use your hand. No, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna go spoon because things that you would need a fork for, it would be way easier to use your hands, but you can't really scoop up like soup or liquids. <laughs> and so like things you would uh, prod with a fork, you could easily use your hands to eat and a spoon like liquids, it'd be way harder to like scoop with your hand and eat. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with spoon. Sweet, solid answer. Solid answer. <laughs> um, finally, probably the most important one. Would you rather have <laughs> can't even say it would you rather have edible spaghetti hair that regrows every night or sweat maple syrup oh god spaghetti can be of your of your of your liking I, i'm gonna hair whatever you want I, i'm gonna go with the spaghetti hair because it's localized to one region and you could just you could figure out something where you contain it uh, but if, if you have maple syrup sweat, just everything would be terrible. Like yeah. there's, there's no day you go by where something doesn't, it, that would be awful. I'm going to go with, <laughs> I'm going to go with spaghetti hair. Well, cool. that fits with your, your comment about running hot. So 
that all, yeah. it's all coming together. Don't yeah, I think so. We've learned a lot about you, man. Just a couple of questions. <laughs> I love just it. the key things. Yeah, just the most important parts of your personality. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Let's shift into what people actually probably care about this. Um, how did you get started in coffee? Yeah, so right out of college, uh, I did sales for Boston Beer Company. It's like Sam Adams, Angry Orchard, Twisted Tea, uh, and I moved to North Chicago. And I was in charge of like the northern part of uh, Illinois up to the border north of Chicago. And Sam Adams is an awesome organization to work for. And they have really heavy beer education. And it just like instantly clicked for me. I was already into craft beer. It's part of the reason I applied for the job. Became a huge beer nerd. Got my Cicerone certification, which is kind of like the, the sommelier of beer world. Like started going for my advanced Cicerone uh, and so I learned to cook literally to pair with beer and started learning a lot about how flavor worked. And I had a coworker that used to sell specialty coffee. And at the time I was just, you know, the sales guy drinking coffee just to wake up and stay energized throughout the day. It never even occurred to me that coffee was something that could taste good on its own. And he saw me drinking just, you know, whatever hotel coffee when we we're at some meeting and he's like, no, like, put that down. Here's a list of roasters you're allowed to go to from now on. <laughs> and at that point I was living in Champaign, Illinois and uh, my new territory had become the Southern half of the state where I was doing like distributor management uh, and like key account sales. And so it was a couple hours from St. Louis. And one of the roasters that he pointed out to me was Sump Coffee out of St. Louis, which is absolutely amazing roaster. Mm -hmm. I got really lucky that the first place that I went to actually get good coffee is still to this day, I think one of my favorite roasters. And I got, I still remember it, uh, naturally processed Ethiopian Yurgacha, which is like the ultimate blow your mind coffee for someone who's never had something like that. And so I just get this black coffee. It was just the first thing on the menu. And the second I tasted it, it was like, what is going on with this <laughs> cup? Like it was, it was whiny. It was like blueberry. There's floral notes. It was like distinctly not bitter, which I think that's something that a lot of people really into coffee forget that the most intriguing thing about great coffee is that's just not bitter. Like I don't have to put anything in it. And it was just an instant wormhole. Um, I had just failed the advanced Cicerone that, and I was studying for three hours a day for three months for that exam. And I fell three points short and mm. I was considering, I was considering retaking it. But the second that happened, that almost filled that portion of my life and that became coffee. And so over the next couple of years, I was checking out anytime I was traveling for work or anytime I had a weekend free, I would, you know, cheap Southwest flight out to whatever city I could get to or drive to Nashville and just instantly was hooked on all these different coffees. And then I did a trip out to Seattle. And I think if you've never been, you expect Starbucks to be what everybody's excited about. This is the hometown mm -hmm. brand there. You would expect everybody there has a ton of pride behind Starbucks. This is like our hometown company. But when you go out there, the thing that was intriguing to me is the younger coffee drinkers were not talking about Starbucks. They're talking about these new third wave light roasted style of coffee roasters. And I went out there and had some of the best coffee experiences I've ever had and none of them were Starbucks. And that was the first time where it occurred to me that this was probably going to become a big thing in the U.S. That if it happened to this extreme for me, that for the casual coffee drinker, it could become a thing. Maybe not mm -hmm. quite to the obsession I took it, but it's hard to go back once you taste great coffee. 
And that was the first time that I looked into the business side of it. And just being in beer, I kind of knew that food and beverage trends tend to be about 10 to 15 years behind uh, in the Midwest from the West Coast. Oh, yeah. And so I started looking at the trends of coffee. And what I noticed is that the, the number of coffee drinkers remained like remarkably stable over the past prior eight years to that. But the price people were paying continued to steadily incline which means that the, the number of coffee drinkers stays the same, but they're willing to spend more on coffee, which means that the quality of coffee overall is increasing. And then uh, at that point, I tried to convince myself out of doing it. Like I, I, had, I really liked my job, liked everyone I worked for, the career was going well. But after like a year of, after that, it was kind of like, I have to do this. I, and so I ended up quitting my job in May of 2017 uh, moved back to Minnesota to go live with my parents. Uh, prior to that, I, I, but at this point, I didn't know how to roast. I had a sample roaster at a Bullet Alio R1 and was roasting for fun. Mm. But my assumption was that, hey, I'll just pick up roasting and I'll be the roaster. But what I thought would be like this closet of coffee information was like this endless hallway. And I realized quickly that if I was going to build a business and do this, it, I couldn't learn how to roast effectively unless I was doing over a period of like five, 10 years and also start a business. And so I knew I needed to find someone. And so originally I actually had someone lined up when I moved back, they bailed after I moved back. So I was left in Minnesota with the plan, but nobody to roast and ended up meeting Ken, our then head roaster at a farmer's market. And uh, he agreed that if I helped him build, uh, physically build his roaster to get a commercial license, that uh, he'd roast with me. So that summer, I was working like four jobs as like strength coach at my old high school and bar back bartender at night, and then eventually like a barista at a bakery and driving Lyft at night and building out this facility. Uh, and we launched in January of 2018. And so the role was basically like, uh, he was roasting the coffees, but I was selecting which beans we were using and helping profile the coffee to like really bring it down to that lighter side of things to bring out the flavor of the coffee. And uh, I was able to go out and pre-sell uh, and talk to places before we opened. And so we were able to hit the ground running pretty fast. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a, quite a tale. Yeah, I think me, me and um, the, our other owner of Crema come from Office Coffee. And so we spent a lot of years in offices selling and we kind of spearheaded the third wave coffee in Seattle in offices because it's the same thing. Everyone got Starbucks or Pete's or, you know, something else even worse. And so when we would get in there and like taste these, just like you said, this like that, like natural Ethiopians or these other coffees, like to be able to see people's reaction for the probably similar to what your first reaction at some was like to actually taste coffee for the first time was such an amazing privilege like to see it over and over again and people just be like what's in here what flavoring is in here and you're like no that's that's like a that that's coffee you're like no there's like a blueberry syrup and it's like no yeah <laughs> yeah coffee has a flavor and it's, it's always been crazy to me because coffee is something that somebody who's a coffee drinker probably drinks it just about every day 
And what other thing can you look at that I drink every day and I don't care what it tastes like, or I don't care what yeah. the quality of it, or even not that you don't care, but that you're not even aware of it. And that's what blew my mind. I've been drinking coffee for years. I didn't even know about it. And so that's why it wormholed so quickly. And I think we see a lot of light bulbs turn when we're doing our samplings because that's who we're focusing on mm. is you know, we're creating coffees that you're like high-end coffee nerd, your coffee snobs, if you will, are going to like them. They're going to enjoy them as well. But what we find, it's the people that have never had a great cup of coffee that's like intentionally sourced and roasted. Those are the people where it's like, wait, what? <laughs> like this exists? Mm -hmm. And it, especially because when you talk, the, I mean, even the health benefits, are, you're talking like, this is something that not only does it increase in quality, it's more delicious, but it's also way better for you because you don't have to do cream. You don't have to do sugar. You can drink it black. And it, it, it's almost like, I just, I feel like I'm yelling into the void sometimes when you're trying to like tell people about it because they've been so inundated with marketing from big coffee companies and like, I mean, your Folgers, your tin can is like, we are the greatest cup of coffee you're going to have in the morning. Yeah. And it's like, they've been hearing that for years. So when we come along and we're like, no, like it's, it's actually really good. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> we've been trying to do a lot of stuff of like getting people to taste coffee that aren't really experts, uh, whether it's in person or in video uh, to kind of get that light bulb to go, Hey, maybe I, maybe I should try this if I've never thought about the coffee I'm drinking. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you even see like a, it's almost like a pride thing. Like, oh, you care how your coffee tastes? Yeah, I drink the grossest, you know, dirtiest stuff, black and whatever. It's like, why are you proud of that? <laughs> yeah, you know? and it's 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 funny because I've seen that, and I think the reason that is is because the high end of coffee has always been very snobby. It's and it's actually happened. It happened in craft beer a few years ago too, to a certain extent. I call uh, the term I heard that really stuck to me is the wineification of craft beer, mm. where oh, yeah. you don't feel like you're welcome to drink it. And so you'll notice that I pull a lot of my inspiration for our branding, our marketing, our communication from the craft beer world. That I don't want coffee. I don't want the wineification of high end coffee. And so I think because high-end roasters have been like, you don't even understand what you're drinking. Mm, this, yeah. this has notes of burnt cardamom and uh, you know, all these notes. You're like, I don't know what that is. So I assume this isn't for me. I drink this bitter black stuff and I'm fine with that. You can, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would say you guys do an incredible job of, of really, that term is good. The wineification. you guys definitely, provide a good quality product without the snobbery you keep the like the light down to earthness and like it's super approachable like every aspect of it is definitely from our end anyways and our users it seems that you're doing a good job of that so yeah, we it's appreciate like, that yeah the, the way i put it is i'd rather have a coffee snob taste our coffees and go oh this is actually pretty dang solid than yeah. have someone who's never had a cup of coffee be like that's not for me I'd rather have it be that way versus coffee snobs or coffee nerds, which I am definitely both of those. Right. I would rather have it be that way than they're, they're the ones touting your brand because you can alienate. And so we work really hard to try to like make it very clear uh, with our processes and transparency about what we're doing. But ultimately it's like people, 
can get the messaging of high quality products anywhere, but like, how do you get them in? How do you keep their attention? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No. And I think, I think big part of our mission is that is we want to, we want to reach people, like you said, kind of of all, all sorts and same thing. We want the coffee snob to come to Crema and be like, Oh wow, they got really good stuff more than I would ever need. And then also we want to make it approachable and, and have people that know nothing, but just know that there is this idea of better coffee. And we, we want to be that, that entry to, for them. Yeah. And I had a couple questions for you. I'm curious if you track this kind of thing uh, because when we first signed on with Cremico, I assumed that it was the high-end coffee drinker, that it's like, I, I, I want selection of the finest roasters. And what I found is uh, our classic Joe, which is kind of what we consider our intro coffee. It's a lot of South American, like nutty, chocolatey, very approachable, is really popular on Cremico. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was intriguing to me. And so it brought to question in mind of, I'm curious if you know kind of the breakdown of uh, like whole bean versus ground sales on Cremico. Mm-hmm. Meaning that like your coffee snobs, your, your nerds are only drinking or are only ordering whole bean. And so I'm curious about like ground versus whole bean. And then if you notice any, what, uh, like what level of roast is selling better for you or like what origins, if there's any trends that you're noticing in that sense. Yeah. So the, the ground to whole bean is pretty close to last time I just pulled the numbers was like, 90 10 whole bean so okay. like very vastly whole bean um with the roast profile we found that over the last year it was we have like seven different variations technically but i would say between light and dark it was probably like a 70 percent lean toward dark or lighter coffees and then just 30 or so in the dark realm mm-hmm. But that has kind of slowly shift. I think as we've made a special effort in the last year or so to to reach just everyone and more focus on people. I conduct interviews with our users pretty regularly. And um, one phrase that I kept hearing over and over again as I was doing these interviews was uh, we wanted to up our coffee game or I wanted mm-hmm. to up my coffee game. And I just kept hearing that. So I I used that in some marketing and some outreach and it did pretty literally well. written on our classic Joe bag, like that, yeah. that word for word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the, I think that's seems to be the mentality that a lot of people have. And so maybe that's why where we kind of have the same mission there where that might be why there's a, a lean toward that bag. One, one survey question that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I want the results if you do this because we don't have the network you have. I'm curious what people's main purpose of a coffee subscription is. Is is the coffee subscription, is it their only coffee they're drinking? So they choose a frequency that it's going to never be out of stock of coffee? Or is it like your backup plan that I'm going to be going out and finding interesting coffees as they pop up on Instagram, as I go to my local shop and see coffees I like. And my subscription is to make sure that I, I have my backup coffee or that I'm always in stock or like my second option. Uh, hmm. Cause that, that was something I was thinking about. That's like, that would be my goal with Folly is that you're ordering it regularly as like, this is my dependable coffee. I know I, I like the, uh, the house bean because I like fruit forward coffees. It's always going to rotate. I might not know what that origin is, but it's super dependable if I like fruit forward coffees. Whereas if they're going to go for like super interesting, unique coffees, those are probably going to be more of like a one-off that you're going to find at roasters that we do some limited releases like that. 
-hmm. that would be an interesting piece of data from your users about like what is like why do you is this your only coffee you drink or is it just like to know that you always are going to have coffee coming yeah um in the interviews and stuff i've done we could definitely include it in a survey for sure to get more solid but um it seems that crema the reason people usually go with crema specifically in and not another coffee subscription site um is because of the control and is because of the ability to adjust per order and so i found and talking to a lot of our users that it's their sole their sole coffee source yeah and because we can with the playlist functionality people can you know add 10 different 20 100 coffees and choose when the each one comes and set the frequency whenever they want it then they kind of just rely on it because they set it to exactly what they need and they never worry about running out um, and then we just launched the ability to buy things instantly and so between those two on our platform i think it's definitely more um it's a little bit of the like i just we have i have, I have to look into the exact numbers but i think there's a pretty even mix of like I set my playlist on repeat. I get one coffee every week and I love that coffee. Um, and then people that have, a lot of people have 100, 105 coffees in their playlist and they just kind of mix those around and they just set it and forget it and don't want to have to worry about it. But I don't know. I'd be curious too to see exactly those numbers. But I would guess, given the way Crema works, that it's going to lean more toward um, the people that just rely on it for everything. They're not yeah, like and that, supplementing. Cause the, the instant function that you added actually kind of triggered that thought was like, Oh, this will be people with existing subscriptions that it's like, Hey, I also want to try that coffee before it runs out. You know, I want to mm -hmm. try this one before it runs out. Uh, you know, this roaster just posted this one. I don't know how long they'll have that in stock. Yeah. So, Cause that, that's an interesting thing about, uh, th that side of specialty coffee too, is, is there is an urgency to certain coffees. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool piece that we, it's such a hard balance to strike where you want everything to be available, but like the part that makes it cool and unique and special is the fact that it is limited release each yeah. coffee. And so you want to make sure people have a way to order that and rely on it. But then the thing that makes it cool is that it is kind of, you know, liquid and that you can't just get the same thing whenever you want. You kind of got to mm -hmm. follow it. So yeah, that's a, a tricky one, but I, f I feel like a lot, most of our users love that and understand that about specialty coffee, especially, and why it's so, so good. Mm -hmm. Yep. So my next question was about starting Folly, but you kind of went through that a bit. So I think uh, we get the story there. Maybe, I imagine you do a lot of cupping, cuppings, mm -hmm. but would you say you have a daily coffee routine? Stick yeah, I have a pretty consistent daily coffee routine. And this was just after uh, playing around. A lot of it has to do with timing in the day. Uh, because I found that if I drink a cup of coffee, anytime I feel like one, uh, it generally leads my day completely off the rails. And so my general coffee routine is I like to wake up. I'm usually up around six. And I like to wait about an hour, hour and a half before I have my first cup of coffee. Uh, mm -hmm. That was based on some research I found on cortisol levels that you want to let your cortisol levels naturally rise before you have your coffee because that people think that you become addicted to coffee just no matter what, but it actually has to do with when you drink it. If every morning you drink your coffee, the second you wake up, your body naturally learns, oh, uh, 
this is now my new thing instead of cortisol. And instead mm -hmm. of naturally rising our cortisol levels, we're going to replace it with caffeine. And so if you wait hour, hour and a half, it's not going to replace that effect and you don't get the effect of headaches, caffeine addiction. Because a lot of people are like, oh man, you must need it if you don't drink it. It's like, no, you know, there are certain <laughs> yeah. days where I, I realize I haven't had one from the afternoon and there's no side effects because of that. Mm. Uh, and so I'll typically have my first cup, like an hour, hour and a half. It also gives me time to think about what I want to drink, which is always a nice part of the morning. Mm -hmm. And my first cups usually pour over V60, single cup, super, super clean, super bright, light bodied, great to have in the morning. I find that you can manipulate the variables of brewing really easily with certain coffees. And so that's the one I like to do first thing in the morning. Uh, and then in the afternoon, uh, right now it's been a lot of cold brew. Uh, we started a separate cold brew business in September uh, with my business partner, Brandon, called Filtera, where we're kegging high-end cold brews from different specialty roasters in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. he started making these pouches. And that, that led me off the rails for a, a quite some time when I had those <laughs> readily available. Uh, but I've been drinking a lot of cold brew uh, during this time, especially because it's like 90 now. But usually the afternoon, I'll tend to get a little bit more experimental. I, I rotate that one through. Uh, I just got the Flair Neo Espresso in. And that I can tell you that's going to be my brewing method in the afternoon for the foreseeable future because I think it's pretty dang cool. But, mm. you know, the French press, uh, cold brew. I've got the Aero press. Uh, and then I, I got this thing a couple months ago called the American press. It's like this experimental one. It's, it's a weird one. Mm. It's like a French press, except it's got like you put the coffee in a canister that's got a thinner filter on the bottom and then a bigger one on the top. So it creates pressure as you're pushing down. It's really weird, <laughs> but it's mm. fun to play with. Very yeah, cool. and, and it kind of depends on the style of coffee too. Yeah. Nice. That's a good point about the waking up. I never, never thought of it that way, affecting the addiction stuff. Yeah. I've never really, because I drink coffee all day, and I've never, and this, I don't know if this could just be personality stuff too, but I've never had that addiction to coffee mm -hmm. issue. Like, I, my wife, if she, she goes without coffee, she gets a headache and has, like, withdrawals. But I, I don't know why, but I've never had that. But then think about it, I don't usually have it right when I wake up, so that could be, could be part of it. Yeah, and it's funny because I think especially specialty coffee and people who really like high-end coffee, they're generally not drinking it because they're like, oh, I, I need this caffeine. You, maybe it starts that way, but you find more and more that they're drinking it because they legitimately want that, that flavor profile. They enjoy it. Uh, now, I will say that Jeff, who is now our head roaster, he's cupping so many coffees a day that he had to create a really strict caffeine limit. And mm. so he's he's like it's a blessing and a curse he's like my life is now full-time coffee but i don't just drink coffee anymore he's like any cup i have is usually like maybe i'll <laughs> cup and not spit it out but he's like almost all coffee i have now i can't just have a cup because i'm drinking so much coffee throughout the day that at a certain point yeah. he's it, it's all you know tasting and spitting tasting and spitting so that he can continue the high volume of tasting that he's doing for quality control and like late nailing in profiles uh i, I cut but not to that level <laughs> that i need yeah. to be yeah. concerned about like yeah nice i imagine it's similar for beer and distilleries that like you obviously can't just taste all day or else yeah little <laughs> little different i guess you can smell you can just sniff when it comes to some stuff but coffee you gotta taste yeah little little different uh on the beer and wine side if you uh 
if you <laughs> if you go too far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, I just we have one more question. I was going to try to do this consistently with all our roasters just to see. Um, you kind of touched on specialty coffee and um, your experience with it. I want to challenge you to 30 seconds. Explain, basically we'll wrap up the question into why is specialty coffee worth the money? Obviously, that's one of the barriers to entry for people is like, it just costs too much or it's too expensive. So we're going to give you 30 seconds. I'm going to time you. And you just kind of cover as quick as you can why it is that, you know, a, spe a cup of specialty coffee roasted properly is worth maybe a little bit more money. Mm -hmm. On the top end, easy, easy answer. It tastes so much better. There's a whole range of flavors. You're going to notice the quality in the end cup, and it's not even going to be debatable. You're going to notice when you taste them side by side, it is way better. On the other side, from the sourcing side, I will say if you're not drinking specialty coffee, someone in the supply chain is being underpaid. They're being taken advantage of 100%. It's not up for debate. I don't care which company it is. If they're not paying specialty coffee prices, uh, way above fair trade prices, someone um, in the supply chain. <laughs> dude. <laughs> awesome answer. <laughs> yeah, that covers like, yeah, that's perfect. Beautiful. Yeah, well done. <laughs> all right cool well i'm i was trying not to get this to go too long but uh you're enjoyable to talk to so i'm blaming you for that but um otherwise i mean that's it for me i really appreciate the time i mean this is awesome yeah appreciate you uh appreciate you having me test this format out i think it's really cool what you're doing uh really interested to see how it works for you because i i haven't heard of anything like this jumping off social media and going straight to your customers so <laughs> As, as you, as you get new insights, let me know, because it's something yeah. that we're, we're experimenting around with everything of how, how can we interact directly with customers? And it's, it's hard with, as a, as a small business uh, to be able to do that. But so any, yeah. any new strategies and methods, you, you know, I'm keeping my ear down to the ground. Yeah, for sure. One thing we know, like we're genuinely surprised by is we include a survey with every newsletter and the amount of people that legitimately do it and like spend some time on it. Like, I just, I usually have a bunch of yes or no or quick, quick, like multiple choice, but um, I try to put in a couple more long phrase answers where they actually write stuff out. And we have been like amazed at hundreds of people like spending obviously quite a bit of time like filling stuff out. So that we found has been really insightful. And like, I had this weird, it's a stupid, I want to say light bulb moment, but it's actually too stupid to even say that. But like I was sitting down and I had two stresses on my brain. And I was like, I have to write this month, this week, Sunday sipping our newsletter. And I have to figure out what we're going to do with packaging. Like I didn't, I wasn't sure which packaging direction we should go. Should we have roasters send their own packaging? Should we do compostable? Should we do recyclable? Like there's so many options. And I'm like, I had these two issues. What am I going to make the survey about? And what kind of packaging am I going to use? I'm like, I should just make the survey about what packaging to use and then take my users answers as what I'm going to do for the other thing. And like, just by doing that, I solved like my two big problems for that week. So we made the survey all about packaging and now we have all this input from our users and it, we're looking at a pretty, pretty obvious answer based on what they think. So um, now we kind of have direction that way and it was based on what our users want. So it's kind of the perfect little, little balance. So we're trying to do more of that. Um, 
we hope that that's able to continue working well. Yeah, with, with something that's a relatively low cost in the grand scheme of things, and it's a subscription service, I think customers are probably pretty aware that the more they give feedback, the better their experience will be. Whereas like, if you were to go out and buy a boat, and then they'd get a survey about how can we make boats better, you'd be like, crap, like, <laughs> yeah. you're saying my boat's not that good? Whereas yeah. with this one, it's like, yeah. if, they, if you can make the experience better, it's going to continue getting better for them. And so we're, we're, we've loved being on Cremico. The coolest thing for us is the national exposure because we're hyper-focused on Minnesota. That's like yeah. when, you're, when you're small, you have to – like that's the easiest way to directly connect is local. And so this has really been the first thing where on a national scale we found – like we've been getting orders consistently from around the country from Cremico, and that's been really cool to see just like where our coffee is going to on a weekly basis. And I, I, that's – Maybe someday we'll get there just organically on our own, but it's been an awesome way to be able to connect with people and just get our coffee in people's cups. It's been really cool. Sweet. Yeah. Well, again, we've loved partnering with you guys and uh, look forward to many years of continuing to grow. Cool. All right, man. Thanks a lot. We'll give you the rest of your night and uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. So let me know how the recording thing works. Hopefully it gives you the option to save it before we close here.